0: This is the 20th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Strike King Lures, Aftco, Pro Guy Batteries, Pro, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline.
1: BTL, coming at you!
0: Good morning, and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. And yes, we have an in-studio guest all the way from Texas, CJ Glenn. Thank you for jumping on BTL this morning with us. Thanks, man. Good to be here. Uh, I've talked about it before. The Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, we have uh, an awesome auction that goes along with the induction ceremony each fall. Uh, Had Mark Zona on the show yesterday uh talking about his induction along with the other uh four anglers and so last year one of the things that they do is they do all sorts of cool trips like i i i bid personally i don't know if i was allowed to but i bid on it a fraud getting trip with paul Famer himself steve bowman who when i was just up in minnesota this past week I actually met the lovely couple that outbid me for that trip uh and then uh I would say that there were a bunch of trips. There was a trip with Ben Milliken. You saw his video on YouTube. It went for like $17,000. And and I think they caught a couple 10-pounders when they were out there. We're going fishing after this. I cannot promise, CJ, that that we are going to put our hands on a 10-pounder. We are going to make quite a bit of a drive, but we're going to a place that has them. So, originally, it was the BTL experience. You jump in, co-host BTL, and then we go crappie fishing. But... We had a few cold ones last night, and you were like, hey, man, like, you know, I'm kind of about that bass fishing.
1: Yeah, man, when you say there's 12 to 13 pounders swimming around, I'm like, let's do it.
0: There is. It's really cool. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of lakes in the area, and we're, we're seeing it in Texas. That's kind of your neck of the woods, we're going to yep. talk about that in the first segment, and then we're going to get a longtime Major League Baseball player and recent tackle shop owner and tournament series host in texas brandon belt uh he's got the show series and then coming up this weekend or this next weekend uh on rayburn is the grand slam uh raising money for charity uh crazy pay it's a hundred thousand dollar payout i think isn't it is it based on 325 boats or something Uh, like that or fifty thousand? it's crazy payout so we're gonna get uh brandon on uh to talk about what would uh possess him to enter the wonderful world of high stakes tournament bass fishing. <laughs> yeah, no
1: kidding. Yeah, that Grand Slam like if you win it, you first place is a premium bass boat and i believe it's 60 grand cash. So, i believe the boats an era so from yeah
0: bass cat so So, uh we also have a little trifecta of bass cat going on because i know uh brandon when he got into this i was doing a little research like his first boat's a bass cat bass cat's a big part of his mm -hmm. series you got the cat hat on and then uh we're going fishing in the cougar as soon as this is over i'm getting you you've got the sts though yes sir so that's what i'm i'm getting at the end of the month i can't wait to pick it up i'm excited you said you said that i'm gonna love it you're gonna love it dude like it's the,
1: in my opinion, it's probably the best boat they build. Like all around boat. It's awesome. Really? Stability, overall speed, fishability. It's just, it's the deal.
0: Man, I made it five minutes in. I had the music playing for the first minute and a half. So we had a little ambient music in the back. We're good now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh Where are you from down in Texas? Then? I'm born and raised in
1: Midland, Texas. And now I live in Belton. It's about an hour south of Waco and just north of Austin.
0: Belton's got a pretty good lake right there, right? Uh, can be. Well,
1: well, we have two lakes. We have uh, a Belton Lake and then Stillhouse Hollow. Okay. So, yeah, Stillhouse is the uh the better lake. It's got, it's got, it's got the good ones. Yeah, we
0: can't talk. There's a whole bunch of lakes. It's kind of like Oklahoma too. Like, there's a a little uh, uh, there's some lakes that are popping off both at Oklahoma and Texas. It's cool (laughs) over the past five years. Does it seem to you? So it seems to me, you know, growing up and even up until the last couple years, like an eight was. Like holy cow! Did you see, so and so caught an eight. It seems like over the past couple of years, eights are now yeah. just a decent fish, yeah. and like tens are the standard for like a big fish. It's crazy how the big fish have popped off—like yeah. tens, elevens, twelves, thirteens, fourteens. I know my buddy Rick Harris out there; he's caught a couple over fourteen over the past couple of years. Have yeah. you noticed that, or has that always been going? And it's just more prevalent because of social media, or I think it's more prevalent because of social
1: media. You know, growing up. Of course, uh, Ivy's well known now. So I used to have a place down there at Ivy, and we used to have all these uh, radio tournaments down there. And like eight pounders, I would hardly win you an hour. Like it would take more than that. And that what was what years was that? It was early two thousands.
0: Oh, so Ivy's been good for a Ivy's
1: been good forever, dude. Really? Like when they first impounded it. It so I was told like when the f- lake first started filling up, when Berkeley came out with the hundred pack worms and stuff like that, majority of that was because Ivy supposedly because you would catch so many fish and they was the like one of the first like lake fork was their their uh, little deal where they did all the stock ponds and yep. filled the lake and they did that on ivy too and they brought put root
0: stock in the lake and yeah you know, ivy's always had genetics. and it's just so hard to get to or something like that like why wasn't it why did hasn't it had the it, famousness of like a fork or uh a...
1: because it, it never had the social media like if you ever go down there and you go to elm creek and you look at all the pictures of all the fish like 2000 or you know 2009 2008 they went through the same cycle i mean they were catching share lunkers like crazy and then the lake got low like kind of the same cycle we're going in now kind of like a falcon when the lake goes low the kind of fishing kind of gets bad like comes up to new lake cycle
0: yeah a lot uh, of
1: them like West Texas go through that deal.
0: Uh the new lake cycle is interesting. I was talking to Steve Kennedy one time about that, and he he was saying that green equals energy. Yes. So when the lake goes down and all of the green stuff grows up, the little trees and bushes mm-hmm. and all that, that a lake's health depends on how much energy and how much nutrients are put into that lake so when it goes down the fishing sucks the green Mm -hmm. grows back and then when it floods and the bass have those genetics there's so much more nutrients and energy in that lake because of all that greenery that it's the cycle of life just takes off and if you've had uh if you basically it had high water then low water for a couple years and then it comes back up you have a couple good spawn cycles those smaller fish so you have a good population mm-hmm. the green gets covered there's tons of energy the bait fish flourish the bass flourish they're protected because you've got a lot of timber and a hard to reach mm-hmm. area in the country and it just explodes yeah it's a great recipe to no, catch the biggest bass absolutely
1: life. and a lot of you know a lot of the lakes you know like ivy back in the day used to have deep hydrilla used to have hydrilla all the way up to like 20 25 is there any grass in it now not anymore it used to be like when it was 20 foot low or higher it would get hydrilla once it got below that whatever with the soil it would never grow but like that's one of the deals with the lakes where i live around like the lakes that have grass in it Mm -hmm. always the powerhouses like amstead back when it had good grass and everything else it was a powerhouse and when the
0: grass died it just did you fish? so you and i are about the same age uh when amistad was popping off, I what? Early, we were in our early twenties. Yeah. like when it was good, good. When we first realized it was good, I'm sure it was good. The couple of yeah. years before. Were you down there fishing? Yeah. Did you get the prime of amistad? I did,
1: I did. I I didn't catch the giants like everybody else did, but uh, but yeah, I was down there for all that. It was cool. The only like I missed out on was Falcon. Like I I missed out on that. I got the tail end of a yeah. little bit of that, but but yeah, I fished Amstead like throughout. I fished the Permian Basin Bass Club out of Odessa, Texas. And that
0: was, we'd go there almost every other month. So, like I said, I I, I covered uh, like when Jason Williamson won on that big Osprey. and But it was, that's when everyone bought property down there. You know, yeah, Eddie yeah. Brower, uh, Velvic, and I think yeah. Ish went in, or I don't know if Ikenelli. it was, Velvic went in on that big lodge down mm-hmm. there. A bunch of guys right. bought property. Kurt Dove moved down there, and mm-hmm. he's still down there. Guy's yeah. down there occasionally uh check out uh bass edge radio for you guys if you want some other some other uh good content i think he's got uh he's got some good stuff coming out and he's also on youtube now but i mean i heard the stories like you would roll a bait over a treetop and it was so clear and it would be like lemmings just coming out and you would just have a pack of 30 or 45 and six pounders following the bait fighting over is that true yeah it was nuts dude like really You'd jerk
1: a jerkbait over them freaking deals, and they would just, it was unreal. Like a swim bait. And it, like the big deal for back then for me was a Senko, like a big, the big Senkos, like the seven inches and like getting in those drains with grass and catch just smoking them. But like whenever I first started going down there, so the 277 bridge kind of runs over kind of San Pedro area, like headed to Del Rio. Yeah. Like when I first started going down there, there was no water in there and then the next time like everything it it's like
0: bridge you have to cross over when you're going to like when you come from sonora um, yeah north, north and you cross yep. it and it's like got that broken down bridge yep. on the back side of yep. it and stuff okay yeah yep. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So that's like, a great I like that. yeah
1: no it's a good area it's got that when road. it's got water in it no yeah for sure but like when i first started going down there there was no water in it and then it seemed like we had a couple of hurricanes or tropical storms or something. And like every time I'd come back down there, like the water was a little higher and mm-hmm. higher and higher and higher. And like, I remember like going down there and of course I was young. Like you go down there with a pack of worms or whatever. And then like there was green bushes everywhere You just launch a, a ramp and just go fishing. You go through a pack of worms by lunch. Like, and then you like, so like all the tackle shops down there, like the Senko was a deal, but all the tackle shops started pouring their own worms and everything else just to keep up with demand. Mm-hmm. so no it was a it was an incredible time and then like when the vixen first came out so the fisherman headquarters at chevron station at the y they had a, a tackle shop and they started carrying the vixens and like i wish i could go back in time and buy them things because like i got like four or five left yeah dude, like that yeah that's the deal that's how mine look yeah. but like when they first started coming out like you just twitching things over the freaking bushes and
0: dude it was dude i've got a good top water story from amistad so kurt dove does the youth camp out there and this is probably like six seven years ago so it's gone through a couple upswings recently but it's just hasn't come yeah. back to the way it used to be uh but you catch a 100 fish a day and yeah. you know you're lucky to catch a three or four pounder It just kind of depends on the year it seems i know denny's down there he still catches giants every yeah. now and then well, he's, denny brower. Yeah, he's denny brower so uh And so they do a tournament for scholarships. And uh, I had at the end, they kind of decide where they want to go and stuff. So both of the kids wanted to throw whopper ploppers. And uh, we ended up in that in that area where you're talking about. But they were on like a point that had some of those little stick ups and a, uh, a wolf pack of like three to four pounders came through. And it was like the only one we'd seen all week. And so he cast his plopper out. And uh, it hits the water, and one goes, and he's like, oh my gosh, I got it. And it comes up and jumps, and then it goes down, and another four-pounder grabs it. It's a three-fish limit for these kids. So he reels it in, and he nets like a three-and-three-quarter at a four-pounder all at once laid in the bottom of the boat on the same cast freaking out i got it on video like i sent it to his mom and posted it on social media and stuff and then like the very next cast he catches another three the kid in the back of the boat catches a three for like seven casts we caught or they caught i wasn't fishing eight fish they finished first and second in it and then we didn't get a bite the rest of the day wow it was just like a singular wolf singular wolf pack of those three or fours and like i vividly remember that to this day
1: yeah no that's I love Amstead. That's still his my His name f-
0: was Hayes Marshbanks. I even remember his name. Now his little brother goes to the camp cruise.
1: Oh, but dang. No, I love Amstead. That's still my favorite lake. Anytime, anytime I ever get to go down there, man, it just brings back a lot of special memories. Yeah. That's what
0: the- what are your thoughts? I mean, you're a Texas local and all this. You kind of know what are your thoughts on all the social media and all the videos and all the guys who are who are targeting the giants now out in Texas? That's kind of like a new like a new era of yeah. bass fishing guys yeah. paying thousands of dollars no. to go out for days and you know, basically like trophy hunting
1: yeah i think it's awesome i think it's cool you know um i actually so i work for a company and um and it's an oil industry but like my client you know the company we take care of like they all like to fish so rick harris he works for hammer guide service or whatever yeah, Hill it's country hammers yeah. so like I've reached out to them. I want to try to take them down to Ivy or one, you know, they have the chase the bite deal. Yeah. So like, I want to take some customers down there and go do that, you know, and it's, it's all about the experience, right? Yeah. My deal with all that is the anglers. I wish they would learn to take care of the fish better.
0: As learn far as like handling them. Yes. Or? Yeah.
1: Fizzing the fish, taking care of them. you, catch them out of deep, you know, using forward facing, you catch them out of deep water and you see these guys with the fish and you ride
0: them around in a live well all day to take a glory pick and they're just laying up on the side great point that's not talked about much like no, the musky anglers they have it down they've yeah. got the giant nets they measure them in the water they have the yeah. cradles for them they never yeah. are out of the water i mean yeah you're dealing with yeah. a with a i mean a freak show of no 12 yeah. to 14 pounder it's that's a, a, that's a great
2: point
1: it's a special fish and the guys that are doing this stuff you know you you know they're not fizzing them because you they show them in the live well and they're just laid up on their side, and they you, you see their post and people bring it up every so often in their post and they're like oh, I'm just gonna let the professionals take care of it, but you're turning the fish loose in the lake that can't get upright in the live well. How do you expect them to get back down to 20, 30 foot? Yeah, you got to take care of the fish because if you don't do that and you take all the you take the genetics out of that lake, you don't. I mean that's just gonna die.
0: Yeah, it is amazing so, what uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife have done with some of those fisheries uh, yeah. down there. I don't know. I'm sure there's all sorts of politics, just like there is with the GRDA up in Oklahoma here. But yeah, from sure. afar, looking at it, it's uh, it's impressive how many double digits it, Texas pumps out. It yeah. feels like Texas has made a resurgence, uh, yeah, as for of sure. late over the past like five years. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of that. I mean.
1: You know, the water came up in a lot of lakes and kind of got that new lake effect that we Mm -hmm. talked about. And then a lot of lakes in East Texas are starting to get grass again. So I think that's a big deal. Like Toledo. You're a big fan of grass. Yeah, I love grass. You were
0: asking where we're going today. You're like, you got any lakes right here that have have grass in it? And I'm like, yeah, kind of in Oklahoma, dude. Like, you're you're few and far between. (laughs) That's a lifeblood, dude. Like, you can tell. Like,
1: when Toledo didn't have any grass, it kind of went off the radar. Yeah, now that's got grass
0: again. It's back on. the it, radar. Did, it was what six, seven years ago that there wasn't a stitch of grass. In? Yeah,
1: they sprayed it, and then they they said it flooded and ripped it all out. But they sprayed it. They sprayed everything. They I had heard it.
0: rumors they were supposed to spray one section, and then whoever did it just came in and just like nuked the entire thing. And everybody yeah. was like, "What the hell?" Like you weren't yeah. supposed to nuke the whole thing. And they well, were they're like, "Oh, sorry, yeah. too late now."
1: There was videos. Like there was videos out there of these guys in airboats like spraying trees. Like they just they get paid i guess whatever they get paid like as soon as they run out of chemical they're they're done for the yeah. day or whatever. So, whatever so they just start spraying yeah. they're like let's get Dude, it i've
0: never seen a spray boat before when i was at toho i went in the back of this one of the lakes are out there that they were spraying yeah it's intense okay dude's like in a suit like shh, yeah. it's like Ghostbusters yeah. out there and then you go into an area that has been sprayed like we you know down at okeechobee or toho and, yeah. and it just Decimates the, just decimates everything. Yeah, like it, it just kills. Yeah. There's no way. I know it says it doesn't affect the fish or anything. In my mind, there's no way that doesn't kill stuff that it's not supposed to kill. Yeah. Well, uh, if you ever want a
1: good talk about something like that, you need to reach out to Terry Odom, out of Texas. Because like the Oldham jig. Yeah, you need to talk to Terry about that because he tried to fight that a long time ago, back in the day, and um, so like the
0: dude who made the famous jig with the giant weed guard and the hook that everybody's when they went down to texas back in the day and Mm -hmm. now like you always stop and you get your old jigs and you look at it and you're like dude this thing could catch a shark yeah terrible. yeah yeah those things are awesome yeah
1: no i mean that's why i still throw a spinnerbaits though one ounce of old spinnerbaits and stuff i mean yeah they're the deal like they're awesome but no he uh he put up a good fight back in the 90s and you know 2000s around that time and um yeah the things he told me is like they put a coating like when they spray it they spray it back in the creeks so they keep the fish kill population down is what it kind of came down to but then it flows down the creeks and the rivers and then it he said it actually puts a coating on the bottom and it prevents grass from growing for however
0: many years is how it's supposed to work that can't be healthy it's interesting i feel like as a group bass fishermen we're like very passionate about it and if it affects yeah. like our direct lake we'll get involved in it yeah, yeah. uh we've got uh gene gilliland coming on the show march uh 12th who's uh conservation director he did it in oklahoma for a long time bass fishing hall of fame member uh now works uh full-time with bass on that type of stuff uh so you know he's he's very uh, proactive when it comes to trying to get involved. And he said, it's so hard to get people to get excited about conservation, to get excited yeah. about stuff, especially when it indirectly impacts you. Uh, You know, like Scott down at Okeechobee yeah. and what's going on down there. Um, It's easy to just not think about it, but it's hard because this is our resource. This is what we love to do. Yeah. If it's gone, it's gone. So it's, yeah. it's hard. I, I don't think we figured out a way to really kind of, uh, energize yeah. the bass fishing community as a whole like if we were about conservation as uh as enthusiastic as we debate forward-facing sonar technology no. like our lakes would be in such better
1: shape well the thing about that matt is bass fishermen as a whole we ain't got no money like yeah. to fight and like the, a lot of lakes in texas that they've put grass carp or kill the grass and things like that. They have multimillion dollar homes on these things, movie stars and mm-hmm. everything else. A boat dock will cost $2 million and they have the money to lobby and go forth with what they want to do. And when it comes down to it, us bass fishermen as a small group, the guys that want to do this, we ain't got the money to fight it.
0: Uh, your tournament angler too. Oh, yeah. Uh just had a good tournament on Conroe Conroe top 15 finish there in uh, the Brandon belt, the show stop number two at the end of February mm-hmm. uh, tournament scene in Texas to me is one of the top three state. I don't think think I know it is. I would I would say the four biggest states for team tournaments would, yeah. would be uh, and in no particular order. Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Florida. Um, and you can throw in the West Coast. Uh, not so much team tournaments, but they do like the AAA stuff out there with with the BAM tournament that just started and what Billy does uh, with one bass and stuff. But Texas is known for high-money team tournaments. Yeah. Uh, the Triple T, Bass Champs, and now this Brandon Belt series yeah. uh, that kicked off last year. How long have you been fishing? that type of stuff and it what would you say the health of team tournaments i know i talked to castledine about this sometimes but the yeah. t- health of team tournaments in texas is right now
1: i've been fishing team tournaments you know bass champs majority in texas team trail for shoot probably 2010 ish somewhere oh, so in there yeah you've been around a minute yeah i mean i don't get to fish them a lot you know working in the old field three weeks on three weeks off i miss a lot of stuff and but I fish as many as I can, and the majority of it's in East Texas. Um, but, no, I've been fishing a bunch. I think the health of it's – I think it's starting to get really good. I mean, this Brandon Belt deal, I think it's challenging everybody else to step up a little bit. Just as far as payouts payout and schedule? Or... Payout and schedule, probably. Okay. Um, you know, I think, you know, Bass Champs, you know, uh, Skeeter bumped up there, continued to – through there and then they adjusted their payouts just a little bit. Um, and, you know, Brandon belt, I think it's just a, uh, it's, it's a high dollar, you know, entry fee, you know, I mean, 1200 bucks. And if you signed, it, so they had ran a promo kind of deal. Like if you signed up for all of them, you sign up, for, you know, the thing dropped the price down to like thousand bucks for mm-hmm. all the, you know, tournaments and you split it. And then they have an optional uh, side pot money, 200 bucks, a team and side pots. I mean, everybody awesome. gets
0: in that, don't they? No not so, everybody gets in the no, side dude, pot. like how would you why would you spend a 1200 spend all that time practice go fish yeah. and then be like ah no i'm not i'm good for the side pot
1: yeah dude like and it's crazy like i just don't get it like it's just it's a 100 bucks per angular you know but and it's all free money it's 100 percent payback so but no i mean the tournament seems good man you know it's um there's a lot of you know jackpots every weekend it's you know rayburn from like january shoot until probably first of summer it's going to be there's multiple tournaments a a weekend you know and toledo is probably going to be the same and you know back home media bass and just jackpot tournaments going on everywhere dude so i think on the smaller scale i think there's too many of them but you know is what it is does
0: it surprise you how well those big lakes specifically rayburn and toledo take pressure and still keep pumping out fish so consistently because to me it's a really impressive yeah. those things are like bass factories like gunnersville is the same right now like dude you go, you go to gunnersville you ever fish gunnersville no you go to gunnersville any day of the week especially when the bite's on like everything is packed tuesday yeah. monday tuesday wednesday thursday doesn't matter but i mean right now i've you, you could say Gunnersville is healthy as it's ever been, especially if you look at the weights, it's kicking out and the guys that I'm talking to down there, kind of the same deal with Rayburn and Toledo. Do you think they do feel the pressure?
1: No, they feel the pressure, but it's, I mean, it kicks out the fish though. I mean, there no doubt about it. Um, Tim Reno like buddy of mine, like he's always said he's fish raven forever. He's like, you go during the middle of the week, like when everybody leaves, like the fishing gets pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, like Thursday, Friday when boats start zipping around, like the fishing gets a little like they just kind of tuck down. <laughs> but uh, but no, it it feels the pressure. It has to. It just has to. I mean, you get in some of them creeks and there's just boats everywhere.
0: This started with the hall of fame discussion and then we just took a deep dive into texas fishing which i was excited you know when i was talking to you last night i was like dude i've wanted to do a show on this so this is uh, absolutely perfect and then to get uh to get brandon on here in a couple minutes also at the end of the show uh just like we did last week johnny schultz from the deep dive app from fish the moment will be on uh we'll keep it with the texas theme lake fork for the Bassmaster elite series this week kicks off on thursday and uh johnny has for all the for uh all those people who remember last time he's got uh, i'm looking at uh bar graphs pie charts circle graphs all sorts of cover he's got the lake clarity all sorts of stuff for lake fork so yeah. we'll see how that goes down like he he even admitted i called him afterwards after the uh toledo tournament and i was like dude like do we even have to do baits anymore yeah. <laughs> especially early in the year it's yeah. like Jerk bait and Dimeki rig or any of that. Have you gotten into the Dimeki stuff yet?
1: Yeah, man. Like I've I've dove into that, and that's kind of you know, I've tried every time I go out just fun fishing. Like Mm -hmm. I try to, I try to learn as much as I can with that technology and that's those techniques. There's there's too many fish just doing other things, you know. So yeah, I uh, I've dove into it. I haven't had much success. That's that kind of shows how. It's just not turning on and you're gonna catch fish.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit like that. We're gonna mess with that today. Uh that open on Washita. I really dove in and committed to it. And then, you know, if you watch what went down on Rayburn or Toledo, it's amazing how big of a difference micro adjustments make. Yeah. Like three eighths to quarter, quarter to three sixteenths, a darter head to a ball head, a yeah. paddle tail to a straight tail, a four yeah. inch bait to a three inch bait. And then uh, leader length. Like yeah. Koya. The, yeah. That blew my mind with yeah. the 30 pound test and then the 16 to slow that fall rate where yeah. I was. I mean, I was doing like a 15 foot section yeah. to eight. Like, God, heaven forbid they see that line and he's yeah. there. I mean, he was cracking on him like when he set the hook, just absolutely leaning into those suckers.
1: Yeah it's kind of wild you think about you know just like to Ben, you know hackney and christy up there fishing traditional and not doing very well just think how that tournament would have went down like if forward facing wasn't around and it wouldn't have taken 100 pounds to win and probably no wouldn't.
0: 14 and a half 15 a day would yeah. have been a probably a mid-20s or, or 30s finish and yeah. you put all those guys up there someone will crack a a big one are probably taking, you know, 17, 18 a day yeah. to win that thing. And they'd be like, oh, it's a good transitional period. They're yeah. not quite up there. We should have been here next week when yeah. they moved up.
1: Yeah. 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 Them fish are just out there. They're out there somewhere. They're hanging in the creek channel somewhere.
0: Yeah. Uh, but just to wrap up the Hall of Fame. So you've been on two. <laughs> yeah. You've been on two trips. Yeah. The VTL experience, which we're yeah. in the middle of now. Oh, yeah. And then you, uh, uh, you've been on the Greg Hackney Sasquatch hunting trip. Dude, yeah,
1: that'd have been so fun. That
0: would have been awesome. it' <laughs> would have been a blast,
1: dude. No, that yeah, those these were the two I wanted to you know, those were the two I wanted to do. And like I've always I'm a long time listener to BTL, so it just just oh, worked out, man.
0: Uh before we take a break, you did bring in some cool jig heads and I'm oh, all yeah. about like new cool stuff. Let me pop this out. So just talk me through what those are.
1: So these are the new Renault Tackle. Uh, swim bait heads like tim renault the guy yeah fish
0: professionally and been around forever
1: he made that uh he made that really cool thing you like that uh lateral perch yeah now i
0: feel bad about it i did that at bass after dark on the worst baits of all time no
1: (laughs) it's a it's just a unique bait man fish it like a football jig but now these uh these jig heads they actually line through and uh they come with they in the pack they come with a swivel and a um a ring, and you actually feed your line through, put a bobber stop on, and you tie tie your um, split ring on, and your knot and everything sets inside the head, so your knot's not exposed. It's, it's like, like a then,
0: line through, yeah.
1: swim bait head, and then it comes with a swivel, so you can rig up a blade or a treble hook as a stinger hook. Or you can rig up too. You can put a heavier on the bottom and put you a leader line. Oh,
0: I see that. So that swivel goes right in the back like that, and then yeah. you can just put a yeah, it attaches, plane on the back or attaches anything.
1: to your your little ring, and then you can you can rig up too for like you know you can't use it in the opens or somewhere like that, yeah. but like Toyotas or just fun fishing, forward facing or over grass, you rig up too. You've always put the heavier one on the bottom. And they all get a great hook on them. You're not gonna bend that thing out. You got a screw lock on there, so you can get to worry about putting super glue. Have you
0: ever done the smallmouth thing? Like uh, up in Thousand Islands and stuff? No,
1: I want to. We a couple buddies and me. We we want to go up there this summer and go do that. But no. We actually we got some we got some Texas smallmouth and belting. Like you're like four or five pounds, but nothing like that. Are they like
0: dark and tigered up
1: or are they no, like tan? They're, they're tan. Yeah.
0: Really? They're kinda like Texhoma smallmouth. Dude, I've never uh I've never gotten on just like a Texoma beat down on smallmouth. No. I always talk to my buddies they are like, oh man, I just freaking like 20 pounds on top, or I just yeah. went down this stretch of rock and cranked up 18 with a with a six, or yeah. they were blasting the swim bait. Have you ever gotten on like a really good Texoma smallmouth bite?
1: No, me and Texoma do not get along. Me and that lake, we hate each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Brandon, there's Brandon right there. Uh, we are going to take our first break of the show in studio with CJ Glenn. Once we're done, we are headed to the lake to fish. But when we come back, uh, probably the guy behind—I uh, would say it—the hottest team tournament trail going in the country right now. Yeah, has to be. Yeah, I think you're I think you're crazy not to look at it. Absolutely, uh, Brandon Belt. When we come back, it is BTL on a Wednesday, and we'll be back right after this. The new Puma STS
2: has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft-touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96-inch wide-body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the Rush.
0: welcome back btl on a wednesday cj glenn in the house talking all things texas uh that worked out nicely because that was a show that i have had planned uh for a long time and then you just happened to be like right in the middle of it uh so one of the things i said i said who do you want to have on the show as a guest when you co-host btl and you said oh man let me think about it and uh, you said, man, you said, yeah, I just, just did well in that. I mean, I'm sure it's like recency bias since you like not only got a good check, but then you got like every contingency known to no, man no. down there. You were like, we finished 13th and had over like $5,500 for a 13th place finish in a team tournament.
1: Yeah, man, it was really good. But, you know, it really wasn't that. It was just, God, we need this thing to survive. We need to get it out there. You know, Basscat puts a lot into it. Yep. And then Tackle Attic puts a lot. Pro Guide Batteries do a deal promo on it you know like a tackle attic if you walk across the stage and you have a tackle attic and then you buy a bass mafia or something from tackle attic it's you get freaking money for that there you go I mean, uh, well crazy. let's
0: bring in Brandon Bell. very successful in his career and I mean I would like to know what would what would possess a man at this point in his life to want to get into the tackle game and the high stakes team tournament fishing game because you know having grown up in this it did like it's just it's it's a very rewarding but also a lot of headaches so wow. Let's bring him in right now. Uh, Brandon, you got us? I got you. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Got you good. Sitting here with CJ, who I think you just handed a check to last weekend uh, down at Conroe. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think I handed him a couple checks. Did really well, and uh, I, I appreciate y'all having me on. Thanks for uh, suggesting me, uh, CJ. I really appreciate it.
0: Hey, no problem, man. Yeah, it. Uh, it's a long time coming, so I, I know Brian uh, Robinson fairly well. And uh, we, we just went to St. Jude a couple months ago, and he's like, dude, you got to get Brandon on. Uh, I know that it made big waves when you guys uh, took ownership of Tackle Attic down there, probably uh, the premier, one of the premier tackle shops in that. It, well, it's, I mean, CJ, it is the premier tackle shop in the, dude, the entire Texas, isn't it? It's nuts, man. So, like,
1: I hadn't been to Rayburn in several years, and I was down there for the belt uh, tournament in Rayburn, and I walked in and Brian was there. So, you know, I haven't seen Brian since 2019. We roomed together during the Coastas and do that. The whole tackle shop is just changed and it's unreal. They have a big uh, Japanese uh, market yeah, section. The JDM stuff is impressive. The freaking swim bait selection It's just everything. Like
0: it's top notch and like it's unreal. All right, Brandon. I- I've done a little research. I read a little bit about it. You're fair- fairly new to the game, uh, long time major leaguer with the giants, uh, and the Jays still, and what would possess you to buy a tackle shop and get in the tournament game? Talk me through that decision because, uh, cause dude, like tackle shop owning, like, it, I mean, was that a deal where, where Brian talked you into it or something where you just dove headfirst into this game?
2: You know, I, honestly, I think it was the other way around. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. I, I, uh, so I guess to start off for, for people that don't know, I really didn't grow up fishing that much, but my my knowledge of fishing really was, you know, getting a, a worm and a bobber or catching a cricket or something and go fishing on a pond, and uh, that wasn't too exciting to me. I didn't love it that much at the time. Uh, and then my baseball coach in high school, uh, Glenn Kimball, who is also my tournament director now, he he was trying to get me to go fishing with him on on Rayburn for so long, and I just kind of pushed it aside. Didn't really want to. Uh, didn't have any interest in it. And then COVID happened and didn't have anything else to do. So I kind of mm-hmm. gave in one day and he took me out on the lake and we were throwing a frog. And <laughs> I mean, ever since that first, ever since that first hit, like I've, I've literally, I'm not literally, but I've been hooked. I, I can't get enough of fishing. And uh, I really owe it all to to him for getting me out there on the lake. And uh, it was just uh, it was really fun for me, and it, it cost me a lot of money because I ended up buying a lake house on Rayburn, ended up buying a bass <laughs> boat, bought a pontoon, bought some jet skis. <laughs> so I'm all in lake life right now, That's and awesome. uh, jumped into the the tournament scene and, and tackle addict, and um, I'm with Danny Cross doing cross baits as well, and okay. I've enjoyed every second of it.
0: Do you remember your first tournament? Like, did you, your first tournament you jumped in like the takeoff and that whole? scenario like did that get the the competitive juices flowing yeah
2: yeah. and you know honestly just fishing fun fishing for me gets the gets the juices flowing because i'm really competing against myself every time trying to catch Mm -hmm. something bigger every time i go out there and there's really i hadn't found a whole lot of stuff outside of baseball that gives me that adrenaline rush like i do like i get when i catch a big fish so um i think that's what really brings me to it is just the just the chance that when i go out on the lake uh, I can catch, uh, you know, my personal best or really what I'm going for. I'm going for the lake record everywhere I go. And I feel like I'm lucky. So sometimes you never know, you just get it. It's open the right spot. You might catch the biggest fish out there. You, yeah. So that's what really uh, kind of brings me to fishing so much is, is that the idea that I can catch something bigger and better every time.
0: What's your PB so far?
2: Uh, I caught an eight and a half pounder on Rayburn. That was a couple of years ago. And that's uh, honestly, I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm gone usually yeah. by the end of February and I don't really get to fish at all until I get back in October. Man. So, which really hurts a little bit cause I want to throw a frog so much. That's like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I don't get to do it a whole lot when I, before I leave and when I get back,
0: mm-hmm. but,
2: um, you know, I enjoy every second of it when I'm home and I usually go with somebody, somebody who's been on the water a little bit and, uh kind of knows kind of knows where to go but when i get there i try to catch all their fish i mean i want to catch <laughs> something bigger and better i do not want to get beat um and you know sometimes i sometimes i'm able to do it but i you know i like i said it's just a, for me it's a lot of fun fishing
0: Uh a lot of team tournaments that go on in texas we talked about the tt uh triple t bass champs uh a lot of history behind that guys who fish it you come in in uh last what last year to the end of 2022, 2023, and same I want to shake things up with another team series. You talk about the payout, you can go to brandonbeltfishing.com here. I'll pull it, I'll pull up the uh I'll pull up the website right now. Talk about what made you want to get into the tournament game uh in probably the most storied and competitive team tournament area in the country.
2: Yeah, so, you know, it started out with our Grand Slam, and I think the idea for that was I just wanted to do something really cool on Rayburn mm-hmm. that nobody had done, really. Um, just wanted to do something exciting, and I kind of asked around and and just to see if it was possible, and I kind of got hooked up with the right people, and Ryan Williams over at Ross Motorsports helped me get that started, and, uh, you know, I didn't know how high I could go. You know, I didn't know, like, what would be a, a good payout, Um, you know, that would get people excited. And I was like, can I do, you know, $100,000 for first place? (laughs) And they were like, yes, absolutely. You can. And, uh, and so that was, that was kind of the start of it. And we started with the grand slam and, and then people just, you know, the guys I was with were like, Hey, you can turn this into a a team series if you wanted to. I was like, well, yeah, of course I do. Um, But the whole, the whole idea was just to give anglers another option, you know, I mean, i wanted to do something different and and give the guys who spend a lot more time and money uh to to give them a chance to win more money so uh you know and i i kind of noticed that right away when i got into fishing is how much time and money uh these more serious anglers were putting into their craft and uh, they got me you know just got me thinking like that's 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 what i did as as a baseball player and uh, you know, I just wanted to give them that option if they wanted it to go make more money, and and so far it's kind of taken off a little bit, so it's been good.
0: But CJ, I mean, you're one of those guys who had fish everything else when this came about. Pretty easy decision once you saw the payout and all that to jump in it, and then just talk a little bit about your experience fishing it uh, last year and then going into this year.
3: Well,
1: yeah, whenever it first came out. So the grand So I work a three weeks on, three weeks off schedule. In the what you've had two grand slams so far. Yeah, so the first two I've been working for, so I've I've watched it, and I've had uh, my my partner Garrett Thomas. He's fished the first two, and just told me how great it was, and it's just. And then the first team series came up, and of course my work schedule. I'd been, I think the only one I was going to make is Palestine, and I've never been there before, and I was kind of on the edge of just jumping in on it, but the, when the schedule came out for this year, I'm like, I'm doing it, like I got to, and uh, seeing. So last year the team numbers were down. Like people weren't committing to it and seeing Brandon in the group commit to the payouts and commit to the anglers and try We're going to make this thing work. And I think it's really set stone with all the anglers because we had what 140, 145 at Rayburn. We had 150 boats at Conroe. Like, I think it's, I mean, we, as anglers, we need this thing to sustain. We need this. The payouts are incredible. Uh, Basscat boats are behind it. Uh, pro guy, tackle that I
0: mean, we got so many great people behind it. You know, supporting the anglers. And uh, and then there's also Brandon. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but isn't there also like a philanthropic uh, angle to this, where last year you guys raised over two hundred thousand dollars for uh, Father's Heart Orphanage through just this kind of one-off Grand Slam uh, event? So not only the payout, but also kind of giving back to the community.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and that's a that's a big part of what I like doing. And uh, you know, as far as the the father's heart, that just kind of got thrown in our lap um, because we were working with Fishers of Men, and that's a charity mm-hmm. they uh, used uh, with with their uh, with their company. So, uh, you know, I didn't know much about it at first, but once I started talking to the guys and and learn more about the orphanage, I absolutely fell in love with it, and it was a great cause. And I think moving forward, uh, you know. I'd love to have it to where every single tournament we do, we're able to donate to uh, a charity or even a local charity of the area that we're in, um, especially if we move off to different regions. But, um, you know, I think that that's important to me, Um, you know, and and I guess a a big reason that it's important to me is because honestly, I don't know if I would be where I am if I didn't have some help along the way. Mm -hmm. And I've been very fortunate in my career and, uh, you know, been able to make a little money and, you know, I, I, I want to help other people get to where they want to go as well. And, uh, you know, just realizing that there's a lot of people out there that are, are worse off than, than what I have right now and what I had growing up and just to give them a, maybe a, a leg forward, um, is a huge part of Brandon Belt fishing and everybody on my team, it feels the exact same way. So I know I got a, a great group of people working with mm-hmm. me. Um and, and that's what it's really what gets us excited and and this year we we won't be doing the Father's Heart Orphanage I'll be I'll be donating to that myself and if people want to do that I would highly encourage them to do it because they're doing great stuff down there but we'll be doing we'll be donating to Harold's House in Lufkin Texas okay uh, which helps uh, physically and sexually abused kids so it's a great great organization as well we'll be donating all of our spo- uh sponsorship money from. The grand slam to them and is we're gonna to try to put on a, a party as well or a gala or something to, to raise money for them in the near future.
0: Cool. All right, a couple things and then I want to know about the future of this. The first one, and I'll pull this up. Was it your idea for the belts for the championship, like the WWE, the world championship belts for the winners and stuff? Cause I'm showed it right there. That's freaking awesome. Like I want a belt. I want a <laughs> belt somewhere in the studio that I can like wear around. yeah so i don't know whose
2: idea that was i think it's more of a collaborative thing okay you know because so we would have this uh i guess uh like sunday evening tournament just amongst friends and i bought a couple belts for that (laughs) uh just 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 uh just so i could win it and brag and just wear it all the time when i'm around my buddies after i beat them but uh so i think that's kind of where the idea started and uh then it just kind of leaked over into our our team series and grand slam and then you know last year we had some uh we had different belts for the regular season tournaments and the championship tournaments and the championship tournaments were uh the tournament belt was so nice that we kind of upgraded to those for the regular season tournaments this year and they are they are really really cool belts i mean they're Mm -hmm. awesome it's it's something that's gonna be cool to hang up in your house if you win one
0: you gotta get your hands on one of those, CJ. No, yeah, yeah, I seen them. And I was like, dude, that's so sweet. Oh yeah, they're yeah. heavy too. I mean, they feel legit. All right. Second thing is, you mentioned something about regions, or mm-hmm. okay, what what's the? I don't I, I don't know where to go with this. I don't wait. But is there potential for expansion for this series? You kind of mentioned something where it sounded, and then there was a comment. Mike, he said Brandon needs to ex- expand this team series to Florida. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so my my philosophy or my thought process with all this is to go as big as possible. I, I just can't, like, there's nothing in my soul that'll just allow me to do something and stay put. Mm-hmm. I have to grow it as big as it'll, as it'll allow me to. Um, at the same time, being mindful of, you know, you can grow too big too quick and kind of ruin yourself. So the the idea for the future is to expand as much as I can. Shoot, I'd love to have it all over the country, if I could, or as much of the country as, you know, it will be allowed. And, uh, you know, I, I, that's, that hadn't changed from day one. I wanted to be as big as possible, go as far as possible. And that's what we're going to continue to do. And it's been so, uh, you know, it's been successful so far in, in Texas and it continues to grow. And really that's all I wanted to see this year is I wanted to see it move in the right direction. I think we had on average about 80 boats last year, in our mm-hmm. first two tournaments, we had 140 and 150. So it's definitely moving in the right direction. I was, I was hoping for 100 or if we got to 100, I was going to be pumped. You know, I was going to be or 110. I was going to be really excited about that. And the, the, the anglers and the support has just blown me away. So it, it lets us know that we're doing something right. And uh, we're going to keep doing this until until we can't do it anymore.
0: So you've got what? uh Another good five or six years left in the major leagues and then when, the, when that with that with that uh chapter of your life is over is this something that you're wanting to to kind of dive into full-time kind of post uh post major league career and really or is this just something that's kind of a passion that you'll you'll uh you'll treat as or is this like your game plan
2: no this is definitely my game plan this is what <laughs> yeah. i'll be doing this is what i'll be doing when i'm done with baseball and it's really been uh you know with this started out we're doing this stuff for the anglers and that and i'm being completely honest in that i'm not being you know cliche or anything i that's that's the whole reason we started it and this is an investment for me as well i mean i've i've put a lot of my own uh resources into this and uh you know i'm proud of it and i want to i want to it's 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 mine now it's ours at brandon belt fishing and I want to take care of it. And I want to continue to do this for as long as I can. So this is my baby. When I get done with baseball, uh, whenever that is, this is it. You know, this is what I'm going to be doing.
0: Uh, also, a couple partnerships that you have, a lot of support from Bass Cap Boats. I, I know that's, that's like the only boat that you've rolled with, isn't it?
2: Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, that kind of stems from, you know, Ross, uh, Ryan up at Ross, they're the number one Basscat dealer in the nation. He put me in a Basscat early on, and I I fell in love with it. I absolutely love it. And then I I couldn't just stick with a 250. I had to move up to a 400. Then oh a wait, are are you
0: running a Jag with a 400?
2: I'm running a Jag with a 450. No, no, wait.
0: There's like three of those in the world, I think. I think we <laughs> have probably seen your boat. That Rick Rick always had it out there at the uh, at the uh, dealer's meeting and stuff.
2: Yeah, well, Rick knows too that if he creates more power, that I'm going to buy it. So I think he does it just knowing that I'm going to go up there and buy it from him and and have to get it. So that 500's been on my mind for for a couple months now. Get out of here! How Uh, fast have
0: you got the Jag with the 450 up to safely?
2: I've only only gone to 93 or 94. I can't remember. But Rick, Rick can get it over 100 easy, and I'm just you know. Like I said, I'm gone for most of the years. So I get in those boats and I'm, I'm hitting 94 and I'm like, all right, this, this is good enough for me right now.
0: Yeah, now, that's-
2: now If I got a race, I'm going to do what I got to do. But, you know, for the most part, it's just me getting as fast to a fishing spot as possible.
0: Uh, for the tournament guys so like with bass and mlf you know you're limited to 250 at it but the beauty of the team terms you see that down in florida a lot those guys with like the bullets and those custom-built boats with the 300 racing engines on it and stuff but i i I would love to spend a day in a 450 with the jag because i mean you could you could literally like build an apartment in the jaguar it's that big with that much stuff, and that that 450 yeah. on it actually like moves it probably like your STS or, oh, or yeah. my Cougar yeah, with that sure. much power behind I it. I think so.
1: the only bad thing would be paying for the gas at the end of the day because that 450 would drink; it would be gone.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Would well, you get sure. like half a mile a gallon?
1: <laughs> Maybe it depends on
2: who's driving it. But with me, absolutely. If I'm lucky, I'll get half a mile a gallon. But I, you know, honestly, thought about moving down to an STS because I've been in those as well, and those are amazing boats. And uh, just the amount of space you have on the deck. And I mean, like I said, I go fishing with buddies a lot, so we'll have we've had four people up on the front before, just no problem, uh, just slinging rods and lines everywhere. Hadn't got stuck yet, but uh, there's always a first for everything. But I, you know, so that's the STS is a possibility for me, but then I'm like, who am I kidding? I, I want that 500.
0: Uh, All right, that Grand Slam is coming up March 7th through 9th on uh, Sam Rayburn. Still, if there are teams that want to register, can they still register?
2: Absolutely. We're going to cap it at 325 boats. And the first year we had about almost 330. So that's right around probably the most that we would have. Um, But yeah, it's still open and it's going to be open until uh, six o'clock the night before the tournament
0: you can go to brandonbeltfishing.com uh really easy to navigate website and check that stuff out you got any more questions i have one more question for him but i'll save it for the end what do you got
1: no i mean i'm just appreciative of everything they're doing for the anglers in texas man like brandon said i mean it it shows it's he's doing it for the anglers and Uh, I know I'm not, I'm not a big name, but man, we are, we really appreciate what you're doing and putting into it, man. We really, really do. Well, CJ, a-
2: you're a, you're a big name in my book now. So I really appreciate it, man, for you letting me or picking me to come on here with you. I got a question for you though. I want to know, uh, how it was at, at Conroe and cause we didn't have many complaints. I guess the only complaint was that it fished really small and, uh, you know, the, the, the limit, the 16 inch limit on bass. Did did that? How did you feel like that affected you, at, if if any?
1: Man, we didn't have an issue, man. It fish, it fish good. I mean, realistically, with that sixteen inch limit, if you were weighing in fourteen inch fish, you ain't. You mean you're nothing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when when everybody's weighing in twenty pounds, and then you know, like Castle Dine and Cecil have a bad day, and then they come in with what twenty three pounds and freaking top tenant. Yeah, watch know, that I mean,
0: Castle Dine. He's always sneaky.
1: Yeah, he's he's something else. But no, I mean. <laughs> I mean, you go to a lake like that, that's got them like a 16. I mean, if you're catching 16 inches, I mean, you're, you're not, you're not even nowhere clear, uh, close to the limit, but no. um, I think the only thing on Conroe is just the places to stay and, you know, the, the ramps. I mean, but it's a great lake. I mean, it has it. I mean, I, I fell in love with the place, man. Like, I'll definitely be going back and looking for tournaments on Conroe because I kind of I like the way it fishes and likes the way it sets up so no I enjoyed it it was cool I wish uh hopefully next year we get a tournament closer to Central Texas you know kind of lbj you know something that'd be kind of cool
2: all right that's been on our mind I'll tell yeah. you
0: that yeah it is funny so size limit ed. And- size of the lake are the two things that I was complaining about Cadro from 2016 when <laughs> I fished it the last time. Yeah. You'll, you'll, yeah. You'll, I'm sure you've learned, Brandon, uh, it is impossible to make everybody happy in the world of no. tournament bass fishing. No, <laughs> no, no, no it's, it's impossible. That's definitely
2: true. And that's the same for anything though. But I tell you what, we were kind of trying to decide if we had to, we were going to go back or not. And it's kind of, it's kind of hard not to when you get 150 boats in your tournament. Yep. So yeah. uh, I thought it was a great tournament. It was a good turnout.
0: Uh, my last question then. Uh, so I know how hard, Brian has worked at this craft and uh, jumped in tournaments and dove head first and what he's done uh, for the fishing community, uh, especially, you know, with his notoriety with the Vikings and the hook set and the reel it in and stuff. I have you are you approaching like his skill set? Like, would you consider yourself a better frog fisherman than Brian is now? Like what what are you definitely like if you had to say your strengths where, you know, maybe he thinks he's better, but you're you definitely think you might have the edge there.
2: No, I think I'm pretty much better at everything than Brian. I mean, I, listen, I mean, he, I know that his video guy and it takes him forever to catch a hook set on video. If I was out there when the video guy comes with me, it's almost every cast. So there's no (laughs) doubt in my mind. I'm better at every aspect of fishing than B-Rob. And uh, he can say whatever he wants to, but it's, it's a no brainer. It's me all the way.
0: (laughs) I'm looking forward to like the next, Ted, 15 years between you two and what you guys are going to do at the tackle shop, what you're going to do at the tournament series. Uh, really cool uh, to see guys who are at the top of their game, jump in another game and then watch the learning process all over. And I will say this. You have to be incredibly dedicated to get the top of anything, whether it's business, athletics. That work ethic that allows you to get to the top of one game, it's that same work ethic in fishing. And it's cool to watch guys start at the bottom and enjoy the process of getting better incrementally and incrementally and incrementally. And I think just from interviewing you, that's what you're enjoying right now is you know how far you have, you know where you've come from. And watching that learning process when you're able to dive into it is probably the most rewarding thing about about fishing. Is that a fair statement?
2: Matt, I think you said it perfectly. Honestly, I mean, the first time you go through it, um, you know, like me with baseball, uh, you know, I didn't I don't I don't think I enjoyed the process as much as I should have. But looking back on it, that's that's one of the most fun parts of uh, being at the level that we're at is the journey there. And so I think now doing this uh, this new uh, this new journey, we're able to step back, me and Brian, just able to step Mm -hmm. back and enjoy it a lot more. Um, and it's been a lot of fun and, you know, you said it, I mean, we've, it takes, it, it takes a lot to get to the level that we've gotten to, and I think we can bring that experience into the, the tackle industry, the fishing industry. And, uh, I think that's, you know, something that, that gives us kind of a leg up and man, I mean, it's, it's exciting on all fronts right now I and mean, we got some good stuff going and I'm really excited for the future.
0: That's awesome. Well, I greatly appreciate you jumping on also a uh, big shout out to, uh, B Rob for hooking this up and I would love to have you back on uh BTL again. I know your schedule gets uh crazy during the season but next fall during the off season anything you're more than welcome to come on BTL. We share a lot of kind of the same sponsors uh with the Basscat uh with Pro Guide. Uh really good company there out of the Ozarks been around for over uh 40 years. They do a lot of good stuff in the industry. So thank you for the time. Greatly appreciate it, Brandon, and uh good luck this upcoming weekend. 300 plus boats uh the grand slam on sam rayburn go to brandonbeltfishing.com for more information or to sign up for a team for that and then also there's still uh two more stops of the show on cedar creek and lake of the pines in april and may. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then a 100,000 dollar championship on Toledo Bend. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. i will be ready for that. Uh but Matt, I really appreciate you having me on man. I'd love to come back on anytime. CJ, thanks for recommending me to get on here. And I, I'm proud you're uh, fishing with us, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you showing up and, and and doing this thing with us.
0: Hey, thank you, sir. Good luck this season, dude. Like, it's all this stuff's just like kicking off here pretty, re- pretty next. And then it just gets crazy. And then you figure out where the heck you're going. And then you live the next nine months. And then you come back and you jack some fish on a frog, right? That's how it goes. <laughs>
2: That's right. And we'll start all over again. I'm ready hey, for it.
0: Yeah. Have you signed with a baseball team yet?
2: No, I hadn't signed yet. Still kinda of talking to a few teams, trying to figure that out. Any um, chance- but the yeah. l- the longer they let me stay here, the the less I wanna get back out there, the more I wanna fish. So we need Any- uh, I need to hurry up and get something
1: done. Any chance of Rangers or Astros?
2: <laughs> CJ know-
1: going
0: straight sports center on you. <laughs>
2: I know. I, I, well, we have been talking to the Rangers a little bit. I don't know Heck if yeah. it's going to happen or not. I think that that obviously would be, uh, you know, an ideal situation for me being from Texas. I get to see my family more for sure. But mm-hmm. uh, you just don't know, man. It's just a, this business. It's just like anything can happen at any point in time. So that's what I kind of get prepared for. Okay, yeah, wherever
0: okay. you wherever you end up, at least you got a network now where you can get hooked up with the best bass fishermen in the area. So when you do have like a half day, like you could get dialed in and go go jack on a couple. One
2: hundred percent. That's all I'm looking forward to. I mean, if you ever wonder what I'm doing on my off days or after a day game, that's it. I'm fishing. Sorry, I'm at school right now. I've been. I was volunteering at my son's school, so nice.
0: So all right, this, well, we'll yeah. we'll let you, we'll let you get back to it, Brandon. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a great day.
2: All right, thanks, guys. I
1: appreciate it.
0: All right, see ya, dude. He kicks ass. No, dude. He
1: seems he seems like an awesome dude.
0: Yeah, like I said, that's a that was the uh, that was the first time I talked to him, and it yeah. seems like they're. Uh, Like a team, a high-end team trail is one of the hardest things to get off the ground.
1: No, for sure. I can only imagine. I mean, like you said, I mean, you can't make a fisherman happy. And, you know, but no, I mean, he's doing doing
0: everything he can. All right, we're going to take a break when we come back. Another guy who's got it going on, uh, Johnny Schultz from the Deep Dive app from Fish the Moment, one of the popular segments that we did last week, broke down what was going to happen on Toledo Bend. We got the Elite Series back with Lake Fork. Uh, This is a segment that Johnny will jump on every tournament prior to the Elite Series of the week, kind of enhance your viewing experience as you watch it live uh, on Bassmaster.com. It is BTL on a Wednesday. Johnny Schultz coming up. We'll be back right after this. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and has come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips, so if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife.
3: Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament fast fishing. From household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline.
1: Fishing isn't just a hobby,
2: it's an obsession. Whether it's blazing hot or bitterly cold, bright sunshine, raining or even snowing. Someplace, somewhere, there's a fish that's ready to bite. And as the angler, you need baits that will catch the fish anywhere, anytime, no matter the conditions. From throwing topwaters to cranking the depths, know the baits to throw. Choose Spro. Spro. In 2023, we became a household name in the crappie fishing world thanks to Power Breaks, the game changer. Hey, bass fishing world, buckle up, <laughs> cause you're next, it's gonna be fun. Welcome to the next evolution of our product line, Power Brakes Sidekick, designed to install right on your shallow water anchors. We are the first and only fishing brake company to offer a breakaway system. Just like with the Game Changer, the Power Brakes Sidekick has it as well. And it's not a matter of if you're gonna need it, it's when. Power Brakes, the most durable fishing brakes available on the market today. Made right here in the USA with our rock solid two-year warranty. Hey, not all fishing brakes are built equally, and you owe it to yourself to find out why ours are different. Power Brakes Sidekick, order yours today at mypowerbrakes.com. You'll be glad you did.
0: Hi, welcome back, BTL on a Wednesday. Big shout out to Brandon Belt for doing that and jumping on. And now we'll just jump right into, uh, he's a bass fishing savant. That's a fair assessment. (laughs) Are you familiar with Johnny Schultz?
1: Uh just from what what you talked about on the show. I've I've heard about the deep dive app. I've seen that I think ads on like YouTube and stuff like that. Savant
0: is a nice way to say like he nerds out hardcore on bass fishing stuff. He nerds (laughs) out so hardcore that people came to him were like, Hey, do you think like you could make an app for all this (laughs) stuff? and they had no idea about fishing and Johnny was like, I thought no one would ever ask, and then he's like dedicated the last five years of his life to it. That's funny. What's up, Johnny? I didn't realize you were right there. How's it going? Hey Matt, how's it going? Uh johnny this is cj cj johnny
3: How you uh how's it going CJ? you're holding
0: your own man you said you were nervous before you jumped on today and i was like dude we're talking fishing we just talked fishing for three hours last night over a beer like <laughs> we just just
1: roll with it man i know we we're talking to like three or four hundred thousand people though man it's
0: ner- uh nervous man that's a little generous but yeah sure we'll <laughs> go with that uh um, you're
3: that popular mad dang
0: <laughs> yeah no neither did i um so last week we kind of had a caveat uh uh Not 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 a caveat, an asterisk next to it, because you had all of these like how the bait, what baits were going to be popular based on history and everything. And then at the end, we were like, but that was before everybody hung a minnow, jig head minnow, Domeki rigged, mid strolled, whatever you want to call it. And then what? Eight out of the top ten. That was primarily what they were using. Yep. But it was in one of the sections of the lake that you said was it was yeah. going to go down. And wasn't it in the exact section where you said it was going to go down, where eight out of the top 10 anglers actually caught all of their weight or the majority of it?
3: Yeah, it was right in the zone that we were kind of expecting, which is really cool because it kind of leads into what we're going to talk about today. I got some graphics for you, Matt. And uh, it's kind of strange because like pro fishing's in a weird spot where basically everyone, like you said, is mid-strolling right now or demiki rigging or whatever you want to call it using four-facing sonar. And we're in another lake in Texas, pre-spawn bath <laughs> with Lake Fork. So I don't really expect there to be much difference in the techniques that are being used, but where the anglers are fishing is really important. I would say just based on live coverage and things like that, I would say maybe 75% of the field was doing the Domeki rig, you know, that sort of technique forward-facing sonar. But there are a lot of guys who caught like 15 pounds a day. And then there's some guys who are catching 26 to 30 pounds a day. And part of that is their ability to take advantage of forward facing sonar, their knowledge around it, but also they were just in areas with better quality fish. So I wanted to talk a little bit today about how maybe anglers could think about finding those areas with the better quality fish for that technique. Cause I don't really think there's a lot of importance of breaking down, like, hey, what bait and technique yeah. is going to dominate? Cause I think it's pretty much going to be jerk bait, mid strolling, Mickey rig this week. Yeah, as I told well. you it was smart. Yeah.
0: Are we ready to go to the? to the uh bar graphs
3: <laughs> are we ready to go to the
0: bar yeah, graph? It, i don't i don't it. want to prematurely pull up the bar graphs there we go right there
3: okay so i'm kind of stealing my own thunder a little bit max actually these are slides i was making for a youtube video which i am in to post but uh i'm gonna okay a, a debut well of i appreciate that we you. get
0: the we get a little sneak peek of it and then you can head over to uh fish the moment on youtube
3: and take an even watch this deeper dive yeah, into sure. these numbers <laughs> So, this is basically data that we pulled from the deep dive database of over 10,000 tournament patterns. It's all top 10 finishes, patterns from top 10 finishes, and pro level events. So, what I did is basically broke out pre live scope tournaments and post live scope tournaments. There's basically a cutoff from like 2019 ish. So, like 2000, like 1999 to 2019, when mm-hmm. live scope really wasn't a player at all. Versus 2020 to 2024. We don't there. have
0: blindly hoping to catch a fish. It's amazing yeah. we even caught one. It's <laughs> nuts. Nice. Anybody, pure luck. It should have just been first guy to catch one wins the tournament. Yeah.
3: All right. Sorry. Go ahead. You're good. <laughs> so basically, we don't have the 2024 data in yet. We're working crunching that right now. But like these tournaments just happened, so this is just through 2023. But I, one thing I found that was really interesting is before Livescope and after Livescope. Guys are catching them in very similar water clarities and very similar sections of the lake across the board. This is summed up across like all seasons, all everything. I did some breakouts by season and things like that. But overall, what you see is that within every season, within all the things, the bass are living in the same spots. They haven't changed what water clarities they like, what sections of the lake they like they're still living in the same general zones so it's not necessarily a deal where it's like the fish are living in different places where these anglers are fishing have changed dramatically because of four-facing sonar it's more about how they're targeting them and if you go to the next slide it's also about the structures and covers that they're targeting so if you scroll up just a little bit uh there you go so if we look at like the pre-live scope versus post-live scope pre-live scope on the left post-live scope on the right Shell beds, docks, offshore grass were pretty dominant covers in pockets, rounded points, flat banks. These are kind of areas that were pretty good, more Mm. like hard cover, things that people could actually drag on, throw baits around in. These were dominant pre-live scope. Post-live scope, it's brush piles, still some offshore grass, still some docks, similar types of cover and structure a little bit. But we're starting to see a little bit more dominance of like, you know, a brush pile deal. So things are starting to a bit. But guys are still fishing kind of the same stuff overall. Yeah. Okay. So then if we keep going down, now we have a post live scope breakdown. So this is only tournaments from 2020 to 2023. And this is live scope guys who we basically categorize every tournament pattern. If, if a guy used live scope or if he didn't so live scope deal versus no, no live scope. Again, not much difference in what these guys are doing after the invent of live scope. Water clarity is the same section. Of lake is the same. So these guys are just fishing mm-hmm. stuff. It's not changing really at all where there are, but if we scroll down a little bit further, you can see that the types of structure and cover now are changing dramatically in the past three years.
2: Oh, wow. So
3: brush piles, bait fish, shell beds are kind of those key areas that are dominating pro fishing. So think about that, Matt, 50% of professional level tournament, top 10 finishes over the past three years that we can see from live tournament coverage, have come fishing brush piles or suspended bait fish.
0: And the, and pre scope, those weren't even on the radar. Yeah,
3: not even on the radar. And then if you look at the number one structure, offshore flat, it was present in the other you know years, but it was it's by far a lot more dominant. Guys are not catching them in the pockets as much as they were the flat banks. Yeah. They're targeting rounded points, ditches, offshore flats. It's all offshore structure. And all the stuff all, that was
0: intimidating and hard to fish without the forward-facing sonar because it was just random just random is this blowing your mind yeah it's it's interesting yeah is that what you found in your fishing since the, over the last three or four years even in texas like more brush piles and bait fish related and flats you know what uh,
1: we we always fish brush piles and stuff you you know graph them or side scan them and you just you might see some stuff in them or whatever but it was just kind of just fish it for however long and then if you didn't get a bite you move on to the next one now you can just
0: throw a troll motor down and see if there's anything in there so you fish it much on. more effectively yeah okay yep. so brush piles and bait fish 28 brush piles 25 bait fish and then i'm sure yeah and then there's the combination too of bait fish in brush piles or treetops
3: <laughs> yeah. yep yeah so Obviously, these these guys are targeting a little bit different cover, some different um, <clears throat> areas around, but they're setting up in the same sections of the lake. So okay, we keep scrolling down a little bit, you can see with our top baits, live scopers, no live scope. This doesn't include 2024, so the jig head minnow is going to be rising. It's going to be on the rise a lot this mm-hmm. once we add the 2024 data. But drop shot, jerk bait, Domeki rig for the live scopers. Non-live scopers is still your chatter baits, bladed jigs, your, you know, Texas rigs, you're flipping jig. So there's mm-hmm. guys who are still cashing top tens with traditional baits, but it's just not, not as easy to do, put it that way, especially mm-hmm. this year. So if we're taking a look at Lake Fork, if you kind of think about Lake Fork, this is the current water clarity from the deep dive app. So we got the water clarity in here from yesterday uh, or two days ago now at this point uh, from the 26th and a couple of things that are interesting based on Lake Fork and based on what's happening, ideally anglers are going to be trying to target the clear water or the stain, some of the stained water. And they want to be fishing based on the season of the year, lower end for those pre-spawn bass. And the reason for that is because this dirtier water is going to be warming up and those fish are going to be pushing towards the bank to start spawning here very soon in Texas, but down the lower end that water warms up a little bit slower and there's a lot of clean water on the lower end. So there still should be a good concentration of those pre-spawn females. And even if, there are some females up on the bank. The guys sight fishing are not going to be as efficient as the guys who are fishing on the lower end, scoping, catching those pre-spawners. And with the amount of clear water in the lake, I think there's going to be a lot of pre-spawn bass still available. Maybe it could be, you know, still some fish could be caught a day or two up shallow spawning. I don't know exactly Mm -hmm. the situation going on with the weather and stuff on Lake Fork, like exactly. And all those things, but it feels like it's going to be kind of a repeated Toledo bend. And if we scroll down one more map, this is kind of what the data shows in our app as the best area of the lake taking into all the lake conditions, the current, you know, seasonal patterns, all of the factors that we've talked about that lower end main lake seems like it could be a, a big player this week, just based on all the factors we just talked about.
0: Once again, as always, very impressive. How so much do you think it's going to take? Personally, Johnny, you think we're at, we're over 110 oh, this week?
3: I mean, it's going to be Century Club again, but like for sure. I mean, these guys are straight smashing them. I mean, if you look at pre-practice content from people, guys are catching tens like crazy. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna go down. You're gonna see the the Ben Millikins of the world, the Fujitas of the world. These guys, they're going to be forward facing sonar. They're going to be using you know maybe big swim baits and glide baits a little bit, maybe you know jerk baits mid strolling to rigs, those sorts of things. I mean, it was crazy watching Fujita, Matt. He had three spinning rods in the neck of the boat all week. He never pulled out more than three rods. and He threw those three baits all week. And, and he was
0: giving week. them the beans, too. I mean, he was yeah. jacking them like they were an eight-foot of hydrilla with an eight-foot flipping stick and a
3: two-ounce weight, snelled. Yep, he's just smashing them. And it's like, I don't know, it's, when you see someone doing that, we talked about this a little bit, Matt, when you, you called earlier in the week. It's yeah. almost like fishing bass fishing is becoming like crappie fishing in an extent i don't know exactly how true this is going to be but it's like when you think about crappie fishing how many how many baits do you take crappie fishing matt i got one box okay one box yeah there maybe is a few more things you might need to do for bass but it's getting to the point and i've heard there's a couple pros on tour especially some of the young guns who like they may only have six boxes of baits in their boat and they got like 10 rods and they're all spinning rods or <laughs> a couple bait casters. Cause it's just mm-hmm. straight up wacky rigs, a bunch of different types of shad shaped baits and jig heads. And like and jerk it, bait. it's becoming yeah. more like crappie fishing to an extent. I mean, with Fujita, what he did, he was literally just crappie fishing to an extent for bass for four straight days. It wasn't really, I mean, it's not exactly that. I know there's some nuance to it, but it, it's kind of similar. And you're the crappie expert, Matt. Would you kind of agree a little bit with that?
0: Yeah. Uh, Definitely as far as every day is different, but you the way I target crappie is I put it on their head and now the thing is nuance, especially with crappie. Sometimes they want a 32nd ounce jig. Sometimes they want a big quarter ounce hair. Sometimes they want it dropped directly on their head. Sometimes you have to swing it to them. Sometimes you have to pull it up slowly to get them to come up sometimes you shake it sometimes you dead stick it and I think that's where we're seeing why some of these guys are consistently better than other guys who are doing the same thing is because they understand the nuance obviously Fujita understands the nuance Patrick Walters understands the nuance and you've got a bunch of other guys this is the first time you've got a bunch of guys that are learning as they go yeah so they're dangerous and especially when they're biting but when there's a little bit of finicky or pressure or changing conditions or shifting or movement of the fish is just based on what i've noticed on watching it the last couple years that's where the guys who really shine at it and understand the difference like i know that davey height was on bass live and he was talking you know oh the big change we're talking about is whether it's a quarter or three sixteenths and he was kind of like uh but like that's a micro nuance that can make all the difference between not catching them and catching them and whether you're going with a three inch armor shad or a. five or six inch fluke style bait and then whether you're shaking it or bombing it to them, like that's all stuff that relates to crappie too yeah. we haven't even gotten into the scent we haven't even gotten to the distance from the boat there's a bunch of guys that are now and have been in the past believing you know they're able to cast a fish that they see on scope but they don't believe they believe the beam isn't impacting the fish's ability to bite so now they're beaming them they're making a mental note of where it is they're swinging it away and then they're blind fishing them there's other guys who stay on them consistently uh it seems crazy but there you know there's guys who are insist on casting 70 to 100 feet in front of the boat because it kept there's other guys who are literally 10 feet in front of the boat there's so many nuances and changes in this thing that you understand it because you fish right yeah uh and you have this the live scope and the forward facing sonar and you're trying to figure it out and get better with it for all the tournaments but man there's a lot going on there that i don't think the average viewer who hasn't experienced it can understand at this point in time yeah no
1: it's there's a lot going on there man it's just everything i mean just on a local lake where i where i live I mean, you should, you look at, you're looking at the grass and you're shining, and all of a sudden you, like, I have one in perspective, I have one in forward. Like, you scan on something, you actually see the fish swimming away from you. So yeah. it's like they feel that they, and it's weird. I don't
0: understand though, because in some lakes they do, and some lakes they don't. They are, so, they- like, Washita, you could stick it right on that fish, yeah. keep on it, and it would bite 20 feet from the boat. Like, it did not care at all. Yeah. Table rock, you put it on it, and that thing goes, whoa. And then it's gone. Yeah. Yep. You know, sub lakes, you could drop it right on their head and they're like, what's that? And they swim up and yeah. eat it. Other lakes, you sure. drop it within 20 feet of them and it's like an atomic bomb went off. So the
1: lakes, the lakes that, that are like that, and they come right up to it, they probably don't get a lot of pressure. The lake at the house, it gets pounded, pounded. And pounded. they know. Yeah. They just, everybody has it or they, they hear them transducers pinging and everything else. Like, I think it's just a pressure deal. Yeah. Uh And then boat uh, slap.
3: And there's some nuance to that too, Matt. In terms of thinking about like, I guess there's all these little small tricks and stuff like that that people are picking up with the four facing sonar. But think about back in the day when guys were flipping. I'm thinking 1990s. You know, uh, Denny Brower, Tommy Biffle, these type Earl of guys. Block it were,
0: in there. He was a big time flipper. Block
3: it. I mean, these he guys was a with the badass with the, flipping. The Sartreuse grub, and then they were doing the pork, they were doing the this plastic, they were flipping the tube, they're you know, swimming, the um, you know, the banking rind over there for Davy (laughs) Height, like all these like little nuances of like just flipping, like everyone thinks it's just flipping laydowns, but guys were dialing in all these different things, different casts, different weights of the jigs, all these things for years, and it's the same thing as fishing up shallow, fishing target rich environments. And so it's not like the actual process of dialing in these small nuances has changed at all. This has been part of bass fishing. Think about spinnerbait guy, how many blades and different colors and trailers and all kinds of stuff does someone have when they're dialing in their spinnerbait fishing on grand lake. It's just now guys are having to do it with forward facing sonar and it's the exact same process. And it's been the same process for every single technique throughout the history of bass fishing. It's just Now it's having to happen with this. And I think that the addition of the technology is making it maybe a little bit more difficult to come to terms with for guys. And I think that that makes sense in my head, at least I understand where people are coming from, from Mm -hmm. that side. But the, when you're thinking about forward facing sonar, it's not just like we talked about, everyone always says this, it's not just point at them and cast and catch the fish. It was like that maybe three years ago. It's not like that anymore when everyone's doing it and now it's thinking about like okay what was your process maybe you're a really good crankbait fisherman what was your process for figuring out on your home lake which crankbait to throw flat-sided this depth this line size this rod this retrieve the stop and go all those things that you had to master over the years with a crankbait you have to do that now with forward-facing sonar and everyone's doing that and the guys who have gotten ahead on that learning curve the drew gills of the world the jacob wheelers of the world those guys. They're now figuring out, okay, I can throw a, a little Nico rig and let it fall past those fish and they'll eat it off the bottom. I can fish a big giant fluke over the top of some fish's heads and they'll come up and crush it if I reel it fast. And you have, yeah, 10 rods in the boat. And now instead of it being seven spinner baits with six different blade combinations and all that stuff, it's now seven Demiki rigs with different combinations, but it's the same thing. So I, I think that once you kind of overcome that mental hurdle, it is just another fishing technique that you have to master just like anything else we've ever done.
0: Absolutely. I well agree. stated. No, absolutely. I agree. Are the team tournament guys putting uh, scopes in the back of the boat? I haven't seen them yet.
1: Yeah. I think yeah, I haven't seen him. I mean, nobody I know that is doing that. So. I think I'm going to be the first. I promise bo- you, there's guys doing it. I'm going to be the first boat around
0: where I live with the brakes. So nice. Yeah, we get to go test out the power brakes today. Yeah. We'll at any time, we're we're yeah. headed to the pond. But yeah, there's there's I promise you, there's guys that are that are double double scoping, scoping the back, scoping the front. Yeah. Back's on a turret. Front guys fishing. It's been going on in Oklahoma for like three, four years right now. Yeah. And the nickels. I mean, so, dude,
3: even the live scope guys with the having. Who needs side imaging when you can just double live scope out the both sides of the boat?
0: I'm not sold on that. I'm not gonna lie. Yanni, I'm not sold on that yet. I, think I like side imaging.
1: I still. Love I my think side that's view. all
0: show and no go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that that uh, Luke Duncan podcast he did with Taku, Taku. Yeah. And like Taku told him, he's like, I couldn't understand side imaging. He said, but I understood live scope, so I did that, and he said it just made sense to him. Mm-hmm. And so, like you know, somebody that's never seen side imaging but understands live scope, I could definitely yeah, see true. how that could make sense to a person. But you know, like I was told at the open last year at the Ozarks, like guys had the little the little yeah, deals yeah. at the on console the turn, on the side. Yeah, and they were just idling boat docks and just 100. They, they they never like fished them. They just nope. like I was
0: I watched it. Now, what a lot of guys also did because that's a lake you could do it if they didn't have the turret, they just drop their troller motor, turn it to the right have their uh, garments networked or whichever brand that they had networked and and then just idle down at just, it'd be the same thing as having a turret and watch it it on the back screen.
1: And it's the same deal though. Like in central Texas, in some area, you know, a lot, a lot of lakes down there have boat docks before live imaging, a guy would do the same thing with side imaging yeah, and just go down the deal and mark brush piles or hard
3: spots or, you know, something different. I and mean, i still do that to this day that's yeah that's absolutely still a good old strategy. school
1: that's old school man it's old school.
3: one thing on that too that i still think is really fascinating especially from that data we showed earlier from the deep dive app matt is that the fish are living right now at least in the same general zones of the lake they the seasonal patterns everything that we're talking about these fish are not changing necessarily as much as maybe we think at least in this exact moment we are finding fish in areas that maybe are less um less obvious or maybe less textbook and there mm-hmm. are fish you're just swimming out randomly in the middle but if you look at a lake from that big perspective the super high level view like where is the water clearing up on your lake what's the major section of lake and minor section of lake that like lower end mid-lake upper end or like first half the creek back half the creek things like that those bass still have those general ideas in them and mm-hmm. i think that within that, like within a major section or minor section of the lake, the fish might be doing a little bit different things, but there's a really big difference from being in the stained water in the mid-lake versus being on the clear water in the lower end of the lake. And if you're fishing the clear water on the lower end, you might be getting your butt kicked by other guys who are fishing mid-lake stained water. And when you're talking about a lake as big as Toledo Bend or, or even like a Lake Fork, which isn't even that big, but there's a lot of water to cover, if you have a day of practice as a, you know, weekend guy, or maybe two days, three days of practice, even as a league series guy, it's hard to cover every single combination of major minor section of the Lake. And the guys that have that understanding of bass movement, bass behavior, they still can excel. And then if you add into it, the guys who are really dialing in the forward facing sonar stuff and taking advantage of that new untapped technique, th- they can go even further. So I do think that there is value in just understanding lakes in general at this high level, and maybe even more so than ever, just because now when you get into a certain zone, it's so much easier to find the fish with forward facing sonar for a lot of guys that it's now about which zone of the lake are you in versus can you find them in the zone you're in. Does that make sense?
0: Yep. 100%. 100%. You ready to go fishing? Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. You got anything else, Johnny?
3: I think that's it for me.
0: Uh, Classic on grand We the next time we have you on. So I'm headed to Santee Cooper this week. And then uh, so like that 18th or 19th that week before the classic. Dude, you're going to have some really killer insights on grand with the history that we've had there this time of year. I'm fascinated to see uh, your predictions on grand. But like I said, uh, a lot of this uh, material that goes into these slides that Jody's showing here is what goes into uh, the deep dive app. Yep, Uh, check it out on uh android or your apple uh apps and then also over on uh fish the moment on your youtube channel and then bass fishing declassified yep is also uh what jimmy you and matt stefan and
3: miles yep those
0: four so did i cover that pretty good
3: yeah that was great and then also people can get a hold of you you guys are wanting to forward-facing sonar at all and you guys want a good technique that guys maybe aren't taking advantage of check out the hover rig from core tackle that uh, and,
0: uh now he's pumping his his lure brand there his, his the uh rig is definitely, is definitely something them. that's have you seen any of that core tackle stuff oh, i've got them you like them yeah i mean that's pretty cool they're good I like,
1: I like, you bumped you beefed up the hook on the, the newer stuff. The tush. Yeah. Well, even just the hover rig in general, like they started offering some different hook sizes and stuff and
3: beefed up
0: the hook a little bit. so
3: I got some juice for you on that. We're trying to come out with a a heavier hook, like four and five-aught that you can throw on a bait caster with the hover rig and a fluke. And I'm thinking about it like skipping boat docks, fishing bushes, but you know, the Fujita technique where he's working the rod and stuff Mm -hmm. like that think about that but with a with a four or five six out hook in a big fluke and just jacking them out of shallow laydowns bushes stuff like that I mean I'm telling you it's it, it could be a deal so we're gonna we're gonna be testing some of that stuff
0: how much stuff do you have quote in the works like give me just a ballpark number of oh of gosh. stuff in the works between you
3: and Matt I mean I'm looking at like 10 different things on my desk right here <laughs> that I don't want to talk about <laughs> we have so many things Matt we have we have so many good products and so many good like little ideas so uh we're gonna keep rolling them out. A lot of it is for the forward-facing sonar stuff, just because there's an emerging demand there. But we also have some traditional stuff. I mean, we got the Ozark rig that you know we've talked about before. I got one on the deck skier mm. that's just a good standard flipping rig, fishing down the bank, stuff like that. So we got other stuff too. Uh, but yeah, we got some juice, Matt, uh, that is coming out pretty soon. All right, that'll
0: work. Thanks, Johnny. That was yeah. that was freaking cool stuff.
3: Good deal. Thanks for having me on, Matt.
0: All right, later. I'll
3: see you. All
0: right, that was Johnny Schultz. A lot going on in that mind. Yeah, sounds like it. It is. You yeah, got, you got to check it out. It's pretty cool what he, yeah. uh, what, kind of the what he's built yeah. over there with with deep diving with fish the moment. So and yeah. it's it's all like accurate because it's all based on observed and stuff like i'll be like eh, you can't really predict this stuff and then that's how it'll happen
1: yeah no i think the coolest deal like i've watched the Toledo one that's like showing the water clarity on the lakes it's like that's awesome yeah
0: it's like that's pretty sweet no it's handy uh all right i think we're good a big shout out to johnny big shout out to brandon bell uh big shout out to you for supporting the bass fishing hall of fame for making the drive down here uh also, the sponsors for it. You got to You did get your AFCO pack, right? Yes, sir. AFCO pack, uh, Sunline, Denali rod, seven foot six inch, extra heavy flipping stick. I figured, just after chatting with you, that that might be kind of in your wheelhouse. Yeah, no, that definitely can put it to work for sure. So, and I definitely um, use that Sunline. That's the that's the deal. Shooter twenty and twenty five. Yes, yeah, sir. That six sixty of twenty five, I can get. I can make one last it all. Last all year no
1: dude like just because the diameter of it yeah. and
0: i guess i don't use it that much yeah.
1: well it's just like i was telling you last night like me working rotation like i've used other brands of line before and then you would come back and then the whole you'd have to re-spool this i've had sunlight on for months months and it's still good just squirt it with some freaking line conditioner and roll on so
0: let's go try catch a ten.
1: Oh, you said 13, dude. No. They so got the lunker program here or what? No. What are we going to do if we catch one? We just take a picture and. Drink?
0: I think we'll just cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, let's just start with one. Let's just start with one fish and see uh, what happens. Let's there. go fishing, man. That works. Fun. We are headed fishing. Uh, shout out to the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, also, uh, bassfishinghof.com, and the five new inductees. If you didn't get a chance to listen to Mark Zona yesterday, Go back and listen to that. Good show today. Tomorrow, the return of the man Frank Scalish, Uncle Frank, day four on Uncle Frank. We're going fishing. That's all we got. See ya.